Welcome to Social Media Blues, a podcast for those who struggle with social media but can't afford to get out of it. I am your hostess, Elsa Figueroa, and this is today's episode. Hi, welcome to another episode of Social Media Blues. Today is Thursday, September 5th. It's September. I mean, what can I say? It's September. Um, I don't know. I'm actually excited about this month for some reason. I don't know why. I think because that trip in August kind of reset me and it was really great. But also, I think leading up to it, I had a lot of anxiety and... Um, an apprehension because I knew that during that week I was not going to be able to do anything at all <laughs> related to work projects or studio projects or anything at all, do any social media. So I had this idea in my head that I really wanted to leave everything completely taken care of and prepared. I had this fantasy that I was going to set up all my social media for that week and the week after. And I'm gonna. I was gonna leave it pre-programmed so that it would post itself, and that <laughs> didn't happen. So I thought, okay, let me take the day off at least. The so we get a day off on Wednesday. The retreat starts Sunday. We get a day off on Wednesday. And um, I, I said, okay, I'm going to take the day off to post on social media. But it turns out that I, I know this, like I already know this. When I'm in the retreat, I don't really want to, to be doing anything else. Like I want to be focused and being there because it's such a special week where I don't, I'm not connected to anything. I'm completely out of the context of my life in a, in a sense, even though it's related to dance. I'm just in another world and um, we're strongly encouraged to, you know, get off of social media and all of that and, you know, put aside our work responsibilities, don't do work email and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm already in that mode and I, I don't want to break that while I'm there because it's so it feels so good to be doing that one week out of the entire year um, so finally um, I didn't do that at all and you know there were some work projects that that you know fell behind and whatnot and things some things didn't get resolved um, one of my ceiling fans at the studio broke down and I wasn't able to get get that taken care of um, before I left and it's been kind of a, a struggle to get that taken care of after I go back so I'm working on it but um, anyway so <laughs> the, the world didn't fall apart it was fine like I managed to kind of catch up last week and so this week I'm ready to get going again so I think that's the reason why I feel so good about September is because okay that's behind me I feel refreshed I feel reset I feel like I got new perspective and so I feel like it's easier to dive in now so and but also um I think that the reset is very important because it allowed me to um to relearn how to pace myself, which is very important. And I talked about 
time and the experience of time last week or this week, even though I recorded it last week, I wasn't able to publish it until today. And also there's some tech issues on that and some sound issues. And I deeply apologize for it. It was, I don't know what's going on with GarageBand these days, but anyway, so, um, you know, the point is that I, I need those spaces every now and then to relearn how to pace myself because I can really get ahead of myself and want to do everything at once and then I get overwhelmed and anxious because I want to do everything right now and I want to take care of everything right now. And one relationship I've discovered that I have with my creative projects is that I sort of split everything into two areas. So there's like the admin stuff where um, I have to do invoices or, you know, um, organize my paperwork for tax related purposes, you know, file any documentation, government documentation and whatnot. And then there's the creative side of things which is admittedly more fun obviously and you know I get I get to write about something that I'm working on like right now for example I'm working on a longer essay about the New Mexico retreat and I'm really excited about that I already got a first draft Um, I'm not sure where it's gonna live but I've been thinking about retaking my dance blog maybe so maybe I'll put it there but in any case those are a lot more fun but in my head I make it so that okay I have to take care of all the you know chores and all the boring stuff first like okay I'm gonna do my dishes and then I'm gonna organize this and then I'm gonna do all this paperwork and make the phone calls I I have to make and then I get to the creative stuff and then um, I either don't finish everything that I need to do or I never get to the creative stuff or when I when there's time to the to get to the creative stuff and I'm not in that space anymore. I don't have energy, I don't have headspace for it. So I've realized that you know there's different moments throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month where I feel more like doing certain things. So I just decided to lean into that. Like right now it felt like it's time to record my podcast, even though um, there's other things that I could finish first or phone calls I need to make. But I said, no, I'm actually going to record the podcast now because that's what I want to do. And since there's no other pressing matters that are taking up my schedule that I need to take care of right now, then I'm going to do that. And surprisingly, when I do things like that, when I think it that way, when I when I have the flexibility to move things around, right? Um I when I do the things that I feel like doing at the moment, especially when it comes to creative stuff, afterwards I'm much more inclined to do the boring stuff. You know, so there's that. Um, and usually there's something about like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. when I'm at my most creative and, and my most excited to, to do creative work. So I just know about that, that about myself. And then at other times in the day, I have other inclinations. So I've served that and I, I try to use that as much as possible. Anyway, enough about that. Um, let's get on to today's topic. So um, today I want to talk about the concept of other people's success um, because this is extremely um, relevant when it comes to social media and managing your relationship with social media. So, you know, as a result of some self-observation, I have discovered that I have a creeping fear of getting older. 
I feel sad when I see a young girl that in some way reminds me of myself. And I have caught myself yearning for my 20s with intensifying fervor. And just to explain why this is strange, this doesn't feel like me. I honestly have never cared about how old I am or how old I am becoming. I always thought that as long as I was working and doing what I love or towards doing what I love, it did not matter what age I was. I wasn't worried about about getting old in the sense that, you know, in the way that most people usually are. But I suppose social programming is hard to beat. We are so beset by messages that you are supposed to try to stay young as long as possible, especially as women, right? Um, and so it becomes difficult to silence those messages and tune into what you truly believe or what you truly value as a person. And for me, this fear of aging manifests itself in a very specific way. I'm not necessarily afraid of becoming less attractive, getting wrinkles and the like. I mean, yes, I'm afraid of those things, but it's not like this existential fear, right? I have already spent most of my adult life, let's say, not conforming to mass culture's standards of beauty. So I do not have the fears of many of my peers who are terrified of getting five pounds or, you know, getting a belly. For me, it's quite different. See, I find myself regretting the things I have not accomplished, okay? Not only regretting, but fearing them. There is a voice in my head that tells me that it's much too late for whatever it is I want to do, that, for example, my crazy dance projects will never materialize because my time has passed, I don't have the training, the background, the expertise, and acquiring them would take so long that I'll be 50 by the time I get there. And, you know, there's also this idea that about the body and about the aging of the body and what, about what is possible when you are younger versus um, when you, as you start getting older, I am at, at, a, at the age, at 37, when most of the people around me are starting to complain about aches and pains they didn't have before. And I, that's not my experience at all. Um, surely there's things that I cannot do that I used to do, like, you know, I don't know, go for a split and not, you know, warm up properly and that sort of thing. But I found that if I do the proper care of my body, then I am able to do those things. So I guess youth is about being able to do, you know, <laughs> unsafe shit and not pay for the consequences, but you'll pay for the consequences eventually. So now I try to be safe and maintain good posture and do all these things and be aware of where I'm at and checking with my body. And I'm able to do a lot of things that I couldn't do before. So <clears throat> um, unless you're like an athlete, lead athlete, I don't think that's necessarily true. So, but this is the voice, mind you, that wants to convince me that it'd be safer if I just stuck with my translation business, right? So stayed in my lane, so to speak. Um, if I closed the studio, forgot about belly dance, and just used the extra cash to travel. That's the, the voice says that. Wouldn't it be nice, it says, if you just traveled whenever you wanted to, visited your friends, maybe wrote some travel journals. Wouldn't your life be easier if you, don't, if you did not dance? So the voice 
is convinced or wants to convince me that this would be, life would be better if these other things were true. And so begin looking with panic at younger women who I am convinced are much more qualified than me to do what I want to do. And this is the specific shape that it takes in my personal experience is that I look at people who are younger and I think that person has more training and is more qualified and has more knowledge than me, plus they're younger and they'd be much better placed to do the projects that I am creating in my head. Yes, that's fucked up because they're not creating the project in their heads. I am creating the project in my head, but I think, oh, that other person is much better qualified than me to do them. So, you know, that's it. And it particularly hurts whenever I am reminded by that voice that I do not have the physical attributes that many of the people I admire have, that I am ugly and fat and nobody's going to take me seriously because of that. And I have to admit that I have these thoughts and though I have acquired tools to navigate them so they are not as crippling as they used to be even a couple of years ago. I still need to do work on them because they will entirely hold me back if I let them. So my fear of aging is a combination of regret, imposter syndrome, and just plain cognitive dissonance between what I want to do and what society tells me I can do. In this process, I am at my most vulnerable for comparison and for allowing other people's success or what I imagine is their success to make me feel like I am getting nowhere, right? So even if that's not true in the real world, I feel that way. I feel like I'm getting nowhere because you see, I have a vivid imagination I am a storyteller at, at heart. I love stories. And sometimes when I meet a person, I would create a character in my head. In the story that character lives in, the person is the hero. I imagine what their life is like and what it can be, especially if it's a young person. I see their abilities and their potential, and I feel nostalgic because I am no longer their age and not, quote-unquote, full of possibility. Nostalgia can be a dangerous thing. It can lead you to romanticize a past that was full of complications as that was as full of complications as the present that may have been much more limited in other ways. Um, I particularly compare myself now to young undergraduates who are starting out their career, right? Uh, what great years those were, I think, when I was first learning about the world from books and professors, when everything was absolutely possible. I know to temper this with specific reminders about what it was like back then. Um, this is one of the things that I do in order to sort of manage my thoughts a little bit. Namely, um, the anxiety about whether I would make it. That was, you know, when I was an undergrad, I was studying. I didn't know what the hell would happen, what would come of it about my future and what I would be able to do with my life. I always go back to a particular memory um, that is seared in my brain. And I, I that memory is, is, I remember being in that moment and it's so vivid that I can almost go back in time in a very real sense. Um, and because I remember being in that memory and thinking kind of like 
sort of locking into, playing the record button on it and seizing on it somehow. It's like, this is important. I need to hold on to this memory. Um, I was in my fourth year of college um, as an undergrad. So I was like, what, 22, 21? I was taking 18 credits that semester. I was studying also uh, studying martial arts. And I was working 20 to 32 hours a week at the now defunct Toys R Us. It was one of my most challenging years because I was taking the crucial translation seminar, which was my first de facto translation course. So it was like a, let's say, translation intensive. It was the, the, the most important course of the, um, of the degree. I had no idea how I would ever become a freelance translator. Back then, it seemed impossible. Like I had no idea what's the roadmap. I don't know. Nobody, nobody had a roadmap. My professor couldn't really provide it. What uh, provide us with one? And one of my classmates um, in that class, his whose mother worked for a government agency and had some high-level connections, um, had gotten hired for a really cool translation project. Um, she was telling me about it, and I was listening to her with <laughs> envy. And I remember one day being at the Toys R Us, where I was a cashier, and someone had spilled soda on the floor, and I was asked to clean it up between ringing up customers. And... Um, I distinctly remember thinking I had no idea, like as I was cleaning the soda, I, I thought I had no idea how I'd make the leap from cleaning soda from the floor of the Toys R Us to becoming a freelance translator, much less ever publishing a novel. And the Toys R Us was cru- cru- a crucial time for me because I was surrounded by people who were my age now at that time and or older and who had you know, got married, had children, and they'd been at the Toys R Us for 10, 15, 16 years. And, you know, that was their life. That was their job. And I had barely been there a year and I was already ready to leave. (laughs) So I couldn't imagine. And I was, I was afraid. I thought, okay, this must be some sort of trap. This is how you end up staying stuck in one of these places for, you know, the rest of your life. Uh, I had the same experience when I was in an office, um, and I had my first office job. Um, after several years, I was like, "Wait, this is how, this is how you get trapped. I need to get out." So, um, not saying that those jobs are necessarily a trap. Um, you know, everybody has different life experiences, but that was my mode of thinking at the time. And um, anyway, so I, I thought about that at that moment while well, I was cleaning soda, and I thought how unfair it was that my classmate, who wasn't even getting super good grades in the class, had gotten such a sweet opportunity for paid work and experience just because her mom had connections and it seemed like okay she has her thing figured out and I have no idea how I'm gonna do this I looked at myself it wasn't the first time I had a hard time accomplishing something while someone else seemed to be having an easier time because of their parents and part of me was terrified that it would um that it would take me making connections like that to do what I wanted to do to make a living because my parents had none. 
And also I was a terrible introvert that felt incapable of making good connections herself or selling herself. So this story is a good reminder about where I was back then. I would often go to bed at night showing away thoughts about the unimaginable leap from random undergrad number to 25,767 in a small tiny country nobody gave a shit about to published writer and whatever else. And in my 20s, I guess I always thought I'd somehow make it. I decided to work on laying the foundation for financial and professional security, and I did just that. And now I am 37 and regretting that I did just that. Why didn't I just suffer through insufferable jobs on part-time while writing my novel? Why did I acquire 80k in student loan debt just so I could become a freelance translator? Was that entirely necessary? Why, why, why? And so I, I look at a young person with talent and I like to imagine that they have a much better future ahead than I do. Because even though I managed to get the freelance job I wanted and I am working on my artistic projects and I have my own dance studio and I am teaching classes and the future is generally bright, I am still stuck in a pool of uncertainty and self-doubt. I still manage to tell myself that I am struggling. I, I still worry that I'm not doing the right things that I am messing up somehow, that whatever it is that I am doing is leading me towards certain disaster. I worry that there's a particular mix of copywriting wit, graphic design, mastery, consistency, and frequency, audience targeting, and sheer luck in social media management that I am failing miserably at. Um, while other people are watching from the sidelines with popcorn on their laps, certain of my inevitable demise, I look at other people's posts, their so-called highlights reel, and fill in the gaps with stories about how much more awesome they are. So this is in part what we do semi-unconsciously or even unconsciously as we scroll through social media is that the information is coming in very fast and the brain is, is filtering it very quickly. Um, but in between, so so um, the lack of context sometimes, right? You start to fill in gaps and create a story. You, you The brain creates a story. So pictures sometimes the post doesn't provide all of the necessary context so you sort of fill it in with whatever preconceived notions you already have very dangerous and for example i want more followers on my instagram pages more likes simply to get validation that oh i am on track i'm doing this right i'm doing the social media thing right that I'm heading in the right direction. And because I've come to equate social media success with business success. And I imagine emotional stability will come when I'm not in some sort of struggle to grow. That's what I tell myself. Oh, once I get to this point where I'm at this level, then everything is going to be smooth sailing. It's not. Um, I don't really go out there to look for more translation clients anymore. Um, I'm perfectly content with the ones I have. I already know what I need to do if I need more clients. Um, I do sort of ramp up the <laughs> customer, the client acquisition, um, sort of... <laughs> 
approach. So I, I already have connections and ideas about how to get more clients if I need them. So I'm focusing my energies on diversifying into other activities outside of translation, like dance, event production, writing. I'm excited for what the future holds in this direction because I'm also looking for fulfillment at this point, not just to pay my bills. <laughs> and I've started offering some copywriting help as a way to promote myself as a writer. And I've begun truly spending time on my writing projects and figuring out how, how I can share them with the world. But not looking for more translation clients makes me uneasy too. It means that I'm constantly terrified of losing the ones I have, even though I'd, I already know how to find more. You know, it, it would take time and there would be a gap in um, income while that happens. And thus, I'm constantly doing my best not to offend them. <laughs> This includes not being more forceful about getting paid when um, payment is, is coming in late. Um, so I live my life. I struggle in it. You know, I know all the little things that happen in there. Um, I have all the context and I even celebrate my victories and all the while. And I am worried, worried that other people are doing it better than I am, that other people are doing what I'm trying to do or something similar, that they're doing it better, that they're more equipped than I am to work on my projects that I am fooling myself if I think I'll ever be successful. So comparing myself to others is a lot easier than showing up and investigating and figuring out how I can do it better myself. And what's harder than that, it is easier to imagine all the ways someone else, some person, some character you created, even if it's based on a real person, is much more equipped to do what I dream of doing than to start having some faith in myself. If you want to compare yourself to others and convince yourself that others are on the right track while your life is a mess, social media provides plenty of jerk-off material for that because it leads out so much. I know other people are looking at some of my posts and they are convinced that I'm in a good place, successful doing it, And I am doing it. I'm getting more calls, more students, more traffic. Things are beginning to take off for the Belly Dance Academy, even though slowly. Dance-wise, I'm in a better place now than I was three years ago. I've gotten to perform at some really cool events I've been invited to. I'm teaching. I'm, I'm leaving my mark, however small. I got projects brewing, but I am not convinced. I am not convinced because I keep comparing myself to the next level and the next and the next. And every time I hit a milestone, I compare myself to the next level above that. It's easy to feel like a failure when you keep up in the ante. When whenever you get to that next level you've been working so hard towards, you set the bar higher for yourself. And then it's okay to have goals, of course, and it's great and it's important and you have to do it. But when your measure of success is set by where someone else is at all the time and it makes you feel like a failure because you're not there yet, then that's where you start running into trouble. Life is not about certainty. Life is about the most uncertain thing there is. All we can do is best is to be in the moment, even as we're struggling to get to the next place. If I had spent less time worrying about my future when I was an undergrad, I would have enjoyed it even more than I did. <laughs> And I enjoyed it a while, 
and um, sorry, I I enjoyed it a whole lot. Uh, but that worry was always there in the back of my head. Maybe it led me to work harder than I needed to and enjoy less. And that's what I try to hold on to. I want to enjoy this place where I'm at because it's freaking fantastic. And if I make studio owning into a struggle, if I start panicking about losing it every month, or worse yet, worrying because I am doing it wrong or not doing social media right or not, you know, some algorithmic wizard, then that's going to start eroding that enjoyment. And that will spell doom for myself and any projects I choose to undertake. And this topic gets into this concept of doing what you love that, you know, young people get advised to do all the time and not so young people. But um, that's a complicated topic for me. I have my own thoughts on it and maybe I'll talk about it um, maybe next week, maybe the week after that. I don't know. But... Um, it starts getting into that, I, but I will say this right now, there is, for some of us, depending on our circumstances, our life history, our path, our preferences, our abilities, our resources, etc., 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 so many variables, we might have the ability to live off of our passion and then eventually start hating that passion because of that, because the pressure is too much, it, it becomes too important, or we're, we have all these constraints artistically because our paycheck depends on our art, or we choose not to have strings attached to our art and start um, working on something else to pay the bills and then have the art be on the side until we make it enough to live off of the art that we want to make. So... There's many different combinations of how things can go depending on who we are. There's one's not, I don't think one's best necessarily better than the other. There's people who are able to make it within their lifetime and make the art that they want to make without strings attached. But that's like the vast minority of all artists, entrepreneurs, creators. Um, most, most of us have to toil at things that we don't enjoy because we can't afford not to. And I've gotten into a situation where I managed to grow in a career that I believe in, that I think is, is, is extremely important. Translation is, is I mean, it, it, I think the world goes round, in part thanks to translation. And um, it's very important work. And um, at the same time, there's a lot. There's a lot of things about the translation industry, not translation as an activity. I love translation as an activity, but there's things about the translation industry that I don't. I'm not a fan of. And after, I don't know, almost ten years uh, as a freelancer in this industry, you know, I've gotten a little bit jaded about those things. And um, and. I have to remember that the, the reason I got into this in the first place was because precisely I wanted to have this sense of financial freedom and flexibility of schedule in order to do creative projects. That was always my goal. It was never my goal to, I'm going to do this because this is my life mission. My goal was to set myself up so that I could have um, a steady income while not having to 
work 40 hours at an office or some other job. That that was my goal. And I accomplished that. So that's where I'm at. And now I'm working on these other projects that fulfill me. But if I turn those projects into torture, then I'm missing the point. So that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. Um, yes. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, please send me an email to socialmediabluespodcast at gmail.com. That inbox is quite lonely right there. So please send me some love. And remember to follow me on Instagram at socialmediablues. I post different things, quotes, thoughts that I have throughout the day and information about uh, the new episodes as they come out. So thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye.